Hi, everybody. Welcome to the September 11, 2020 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's, just, let's get started. We, kick off our, we kicked off our Colorado Decides debate series earlier tonight uh, at 7 p.m. with a lively conversation about the National Popular Vote Compact, followed by a debate about the reintroduction of the gray wolf to Colorado. Earlier this week, opponents of a ballot initiative to repeal the Gallagher Amendment filed a lawsuit alleging that the Blue Book language is prejudiced, but the case was dismissed early Friday morning proving uh, that this is indeed a bizarre year. Both conservatives and former Colorado Speaker of the House, Dickie Lee Hollinghorst, joined sides in the suit. Patty Calhoun for Westford, we start with you. Uh, it feels that after Labor Day, the ballot issues in Colorado politics get their, their, their time in the sun. Um, uh, and what a wacky week for all the kind of ballot issues to have, especially the Gallagher Amendment. What did you take away from this week? Well, that everybody's better start reading quickly and studying these because there are 11 of them just on, on the statewide ballot alone. The Gallagher Amendment, one of the things you have to remember what a treasure it is to have a public servant like Dennis Gallagher out there speaking, whether or not you agree with the Gallagher Amendment. He's so erudite. It's interesting, in 82, when they b brought the Gallagher Amendment forward, Ron Stewart, the Senate Minority Leader, worked with Gallagher on it, and he said, I want you to carry it because you'll be around to defend it. 38 years later, Gallagher is defending it, and so is Stewart. He is still around. He's doing a panel um, next month about the Gallagher Amendment. Whether or not you like the Gallagher Amendment, you cannot like the fact that after the Blue Book language was written, and it's by a bipartisan staff, they, are, they do not take sides, they work hard on this, that a legislative group jumped in, decided to change the language, change the headline to repeal Gallagher Amendment, they should not have done that. They should have just let the blue book language stand. You also understand the court not putting in a restraining order at this time. Look at Wisconsin, where we are going to maybe have absentee ballots delayed because the Green Party is trying to get on the ballot. We need our ballots to go out, and you can kind of see why this moved fast. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Uh, what did you think about the uh, seemingly political odd bedfellows coming together for this suit? Even though the suit has been thrown out, I think there's still uh, a, uh, a coalition that speaks to the diversity that we usually don't find in something like this with the fiscal situation. What do you think? Well, this coalition reflects the uh, way that the Gallagher Amendment was enacted by the people overwhelmingly in 1992, and then there was a ballot attempt to repeal it previously, and that was overwhelmingly uh, defeated. And, and uh, Speaker Hullinghorst, a very solid, you know, left-wing Boulder Democrat, is one of a, a number of Boulder Democrats who are part of this uh, coalition. And besides the blue book being deceptive, the ballot title is deceptive. It begins without raising taxes. Well, they should say without raising taxes unless you own or, or rent a home. If you're homeless and you have a business, you may get a tax cut. Uh, but if you own a home, uh, the only direction for this is a tax increase. Um, and notably, people in any county can always choose to exempt their, their county's property taxes from the Gallagher Amendment. And, in fact, that's going to be on the ballot, I believe, in Clear Creek County. Um, and it can, the county commissioners can always ask the voters to do that. So the effect of this statewide measure is to override the wishes of people in counties that have chosen not to repeal uh, the Gallagher Amendment for themselves. Um, also on the ballot is the national popular vote. Uh, and one thing that hasn't been discussed in that is it's a direct violation of the Colorado Constitution. 
Our Constitution says that after the year 1876, the electors of the Electoral College shall be chosen by direct vote of the people. We're the only state with that guarantee in our state constitution. This would negate the state constitution, which it can't do, and instead of our electors being chosen by direct vote of the people of Colorado, the electors would be appointed by the Secretary of State based on how people in other states uh, vote. And I think the the national popular vote people did it wrong. If they wanted to to make that change, uh, the first step should have been to repeal our guarantee of direct elections in Colorado. Eric Sondman, a political analyst and a columnist for Colorado Politics, and uh, uh, my uh, wingman on Colorado Decides. Uh, you were part of some of these debates and will be as we move forward in the season. Uh, what do you think of momentum building for some of the ballot issues here in September? Well, there's so many. As you indicate, Dominic 11, uh, we'll cover most of them through the Colorado Decides debate series. In terms of the two that just aired before our show tonight, Uh, I wasn't part of the national popular vote one for complicated reasons. I have been outspoken on that issue. I do think the Electoral College continues to have uh, value. That is becoming an increasingly hard case to make, uh, given the statistics you read now about how much Joe Biden is going to have to win the national popular vote in order to obtain any kind of a majority in the Electoral College, even if he wins the national popular vote by in the ballpark of three million votes which is tantamount to equivalent to what Hillary Clinton wanted by, you know, it becomes a dicey proposition of whether he wins the Electoral College. The the problem is if we're going to have this discussion and we should have the discussion about the Electoral College, there's a way to do it, and that's called amending the Constitution. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's going to require some persuasion. But I continue to think this National Popular Vote Compact is sort of a workaround, an end run, even if you will, maybe a subterfuge. On the Gray Wolves Initiative, where you and I were part of that debate, Dominic, it struck me that it's just it, it it says everything there is to say about the disconnect between urban and rural Colorado. That ballot issue in every likelihood is going to pass with votes of people in the front range who want to romanticize the notion of having wolves running free as per hundreds of years ago, but aren't going to live with the consequences of that decision. The consequences are going to be borne by farmers and ranchers and others in western, particularly northwestern Colorado. There's this great disconnect here. In terms of uh, Gallagher, I've gone on too long. I identify with a lot of what Patty said. They should have left the blue book alone. Whenever politicians get involved in monkeying with the blue book, that usually should be a red flag. You raise a good point about the uh, Wolf Initiative because in before our debate and talking with a good friend of this show, uh, Jim Knazer, he brought the point that I made on the debate. There are going to be people in Denver voting to ban, uh, possibly to, to keep the pit bull banned in Denver, but to go ahead and say it's okay to have wolves because the wolves aren't going to be on their porch. It's the pit bulls they might be worried about. Uh, it makes it interesting politics. Joey Bunch rounds out the panel today, deputy managing editor from Colorado Politics. A whole lot of things happening with ballot issues. Uh, take your pick, Joey. What do you think? Well, you know, you're right. There's normally ballot issues drive the electorate. You know, people put things on the ballot, not necessarily hoping or thinking it's going to pass, but it will drive their people to the polls. There's so much on this blue book. Uh, You know, just take your pick. I don't think you can single out any electorate. You know, what happened with the Gallagher Amendment and the lawsuit? Was that political theater? Yeah, I don't know. You know, yes and no. You know, you had these older legislators 
kind of taking on these newer legislators. And if you ask me, I, you know, if you know Dickie Lee Hullinghorse, and I know her pretty well, I think she was sending that message that, you know, taxpayers pay for this blue book. They don't expect legislators to uh, to do a wholesale rewrite of anything and use the language of politics and salesmanship. You know, does anybody read the blue book really in this day and age? Probably not. But, you know, it should be held to a standard. And, that, and that's what's going on here. You know, moreover, there's there's political undercurrents in this in that this is a time Democrats need to stick together and get across the finish line if they want to beat Donald Trump and Cory Gardner. You know, this is driving a wedge in between them. And I think if I'm a Republican, I'm feeling happy about what's happened the last few days. Uh, with Colorado's U.S. Senate race, one of the few that could decide whether Mitch McConnell keeps his position as Senate Majority Leader, super PACs and so-called dark money groups have already spent more than $27 million in Colorado. This week, Politico updated the race from a toss-up to leaning Hickenlooper. Uh, David, we start with you on this one. Uh, $27 million is nothing to sneeze at, but national funding is fickle. If they decide to point or one way or the other, it might move around. Do you think Gardner is at any risk of losing any of the national money at least this month? Well, I think as, as Colorado politics has written about, and, and maybe including by Eric, that if, if Gardner had been 10 points down at this point, then the national money would have, would have run away. But no, he's got a, he's got a competitive race, and he's, he's running it well. Um, you know, if, if you want good updates on uh, the, the ratings for elections, uh, the, the place to go is not Politico, which, like, hasn't updated its, its Susan Collins' main race since uh, uh, April or so. But Stuart Rothenberg uh, for Inside Elections, uh, he's been around for decades and he's not always right, but he's a good analyst. And he rates Colorado as tilt Democratic, which is the first step away from from toss up. And I think that that seems accurate at this point. Uh, We should remember that no matter which party controls uh, the U.S. Senate, the majority leader is going to be a expert master in the dark arts because you're going to be replacing Mitch McConnell with Charles Schumer and Charles Schumer is not Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, one, one thing that's been notable to me over, over the course of Senator Gardner's term is I've never seen the amount of hatred, invective, and rage directed at a Colorado senator that's been directed at him. And, of course, people are going to disagree on the issues and on, on a partisan basis. Uh, but, you know, for example, you know, somebody I know who is a loyal Democrat, but n- not usually a stalker, at least doesn't have any convictions for it, uh, called Gardner's office 57 times as part of some campaign in a single day. And as part of some campaign whipped up by Progress Now or, or one of those groups, people have showed up mobs showed up, dangerous mobs showed up at Gardner's house after, in Yuma, Colorado after midnight, uh, after dark, uh, you know, endangering and, and putting his family in fear. Uh, so, I, of course, you can vote against Gardner because you don't like Republicans. That, that's fine. But uh, the, the level of hatred that's been directed against him is, is way, way, way over the top. Eric, I've looked at this. It seems like an odd campaign. And we have watched a lot of campaigns together here on PBS 12. But this one, the, the energy has been weird. What we've seen back and forth from the campaigns has been weird. Scheduling debates has been a whole separate uh, upside-down world. Uh, what are you taking from what we're seeing so far with the money and the momentum of the U.S. Senate race? 
Well, yes, I think Politico is very late to this dance in terms of moving this into the lean uh, kick and looper, lean Democratic column. I'd say it is more Democratic than just a lean, I think. And I've said this for a year that Cory Gardner is up against it. Uh, Cory Gardner is running the superior campaign. If you look at the ads, if you look at the energy of the campaign, he's clearly running the superior campaign. My column that's running this week in Colorado politics, I think came up last Sunday or Monday, is a pretty harsh critique of Hickenlooper's campaign. It's lackluster, it's lackadaisical, it is even in some respects disinterested. And if you're, the whole rap against you is this library of quotes you have about not wanting to really be a U.S. senator, the burden is on you during that campaign to prove otherwise. And I'm not sure Hickenlooper's doing that. And all that aside, the deck is stacked here for Hickenlooper to win this in every likelihood. Colorado is just a state that is tilting increasingly blue. If Joe Biden, as I predict, wins this state by high single-digit margin, that is a whole lot of Joe Biden votes that Cory Gardner then has to go flip on the next line in his direction in an era where people are just not splitting their tickets, their voting party lines. I think Cory Gardner is up against it. Joey, you have a unique perspective looking at this race. What do you uh, ascertain is the energy and really the ramifications? We're in September. We're about four weeks away from ballots going out. We're, we're about at uh, maybe not crunch time, but it's on the horizon. What do you think? Shoot, I don't know. You know, Corey, Eric's right. You know, Cory Gardner's campaign is running on high octane and Hickenlooper's campaign is running like it's got sugar in the gas tank. But I don't think it's going to matter because, you know, Eric is also right. This is not just a state that leans left. This is a state that's reclining and taking a nap on the left. I mean, you look at the elections the last two years, it's hard to call this a purple state anymore. But Gardner, you know, I argue that you can't count Gardner out for this reason. He's a superior politician and Hickenlooper is just not running a race. But he was a superior politician in 2014, and he still only won, beat Mark Udall by two points. You know, and if we uh, if we have a close race, that'll be a win for Gardner. But the fact is, you know, he's got a president on his back and an electorate on his back that I don't think he can carry across the finish line. You know, if he uh, if he uh, if he proves me wrong, I'll be glad to admit it. It would not be the first time we had a wrong opinion stated here on uh, CIO. So you're you're in safe territory, Joey. Uh, Patty, wrap it up for us. What do you make of what we're seeing so far and really being only four weeks away from ballots going out? Well, I think we can actually agree on this, that the ads that that money is paying for, the not non-candidate ads, are really slimy, sleazy. On both sides, they stink. I actually think Gardner's got a good ad. His own campaign, his beer drinking ad, is a really smart campaign ad. We'd like to see a little more of that attitude from both of them. Let's actually have a civil conversation in Colorado. Gardner is up against it in the sense that he's got to win over a lot of unaffiliateds to really make it beyond leaning Democrat to going anywhere near Republican. So he's got that problem. They tend to go for the Democrats and certainly for Hickenlooper, who's a moderate Democrat. The other challenge he's got is Donald Trump, who is not beloved here. And the only way he can win some votes here on that is to separate himself from it. But that's not going to help either. So we'll see if he's able to thread that needle. It's not going to be easy. 
A district judge upheld the constitutionality of Denver's urban camping ban after a lower court initially overturned it. The topic continues to generate tension in the community with Denver City Council member Candy Say DeBaca seen on body cam, police, police body cam footage during an altercation between unhoused individuals, police, and protesters. Uh, Eric, we start with you on this one. Another crazy week for the city of Denver government-wise, but seemingly a win, uh, at least on the, in the courthouse, for uh, the mayor and the camping ban. What do you take away from it? Well, yes, it's a win for the mayor and for the camping ban. But the question is now, what do they do with that win? Uh, the last topic, the Senate race, was the subject of my column last week. This is the subject of my column coming up starting this Sunday. Shameless plug there. Uh, the whole issue of homelessness, it's so intractable in Denver, and it is now even more complicated in this era of COVID. The encampments are even more dangerous and unhealthy places. But then you don't have places to put these people that are healthy and that are viable. Denver's asking for a quarter cent sales tax issue coming up on the ballot to fund more homelessness programs. It is really an open question in my mind. I assume the voters will likely pass it, this being liberal Denver. But it's an open question in my mind of whether money is the key variable here in addressing this problem. These sweeps are so complicated as is without the candy Cetabacas and other of the others like them in the world, making them even more complicated on police and on human services uh, officials by by interfering and by creating even more resistance. I do not envy anyone trying to tackle this issue right now. Hats off to those who are making the effort. Joey, do you sense any sort of uh, momentum or at least the, the pendulum swinging a little bit politically within the Denver City Council, seeing the events just over the last couple of weeks? No, no, I don't. You know, I think this issue, people, there are no undecided voters when it comes to homelessness anymore. You know, this is and it's a shame that this issue, like a lot of issues, has gotten slathered in politics because, you know, at its root, this is a poverty issue. It's a human rights issue, and it's gotten slathered in politics, which is a disservice. And you know, you and you wonder about people's motives for for what they're doing. You know, on the other hand, the voters in Denver have spoken. They they spoke very loudly last year when this was on the ballot to uphold the urban capping ban. Yet, you know, at the same time, if they'd put it to a vote in Alabama in the 1960s, segregation wouldn't have ever changed. So. You know, right is right and politics is politics. And, you know, Denver is more than willing to, to, to play the politics, but I haven't yet seen them come up with a solution that works. Uh, Patty, um, Councilman Candy Say DeBaca has not been afraid of controversy or heat, but this seemed to be a little bit different. I don't know if this is too much heat, but it seemed different in flavor. Do you think this is going to change the conversation? No, because the problem with the conversation on homelessness is no one really knows what to do. People might, uh, and let's add to Joey's list, it's also a mental health issue. People need help out on the streets. Denver has really done a disservice, and Candy C. DeBaca, because it's her district, could have changed this. We are now in snowstorms. We are more than a month behind when we were going to have a safe spaces where people could go camp so they're not camping on the street, so there wouldn't necessarily have to be streets sweeping, and we don't have it. We could have had it at the Coliseum. Not a perfect solution, but it would have worked for a while, and we don't have it. We don't have one anywhere. We don't have a place where people can go and be safe, and that needs to happen. David, our esteemed lawyer at the table, what do you think about the legal decision uh, upholding the camping ban? 
Well, the, the county court decision that was overturned had said that uh, the camping ban on, on city property was cruel and unusual punishment, which is a, a real stretch of what the Eighth Amendment and its parallel in the Colorado Constitution uh, say and, and, and mean. To, to say, you can't sleep on my property uh, is, is not punishing someone. It's just defending the property rights of all the people of Denver who have a common interest uh, in city-owned land and not to have that taken over uh, by these en- encampments, which uh, did make, have made Denver a much more dangerous uh, place, both in a uh, medical sense and, and uh, in a crime sense. And the, the district court, which overturned this, said, no, th- this was not enacted as the county court had claimed on, based on some kind of animus against homeless people, that there was some de- bare desire to harm them. It, it was based on uh, reasonable attempts to try to maintain the quality of life in the city for everyone, including for homeless people. And in fact, the, the defendant in this case was offered a place, transportation to a shelter that had space for him, and he refused it. Uh, so when there's space in a shelter, I don't think that there's a constitutional right uh, to go camp on, on public property and harm the rest of the public. Let me get everyone uh, to have a quick take on this one. So, Joey, we're going to start with this one. We're just going to need real short takes on this. Uh, Colorado continues to wrestle with what COVID means, uh, COVID-19 means for sports. Governor Jared Polis offered uh, to work with uh, schools to find an option to allow fall football. But the uh, Chasa, Colorado's High School Activity Association, declined, keeping it set for the spring. Joey, a quick take from you on uh, if Polis misstepped with his support of football. Well, you know, I mean, people care about what they care about. And I think he did because, you know, there's a lot of things that people don't understand about the world right now, but they understand high school football. And divide the rural towns really want high school football, so they are upset with Chassa. David, it's going to the spring, so football's not disappearing, but it's a whole different story than I have in the fall. Um, yeah, and it deprives uh, two sport athletes of the opportunity to do, to do their second sport. And there's lots of other sports, by the way, besides football, like cross country, which is all running outdoors, and many, many other outdoor sports. Polis was on the side of science. A Brown University study uh, that came out recently studied 26,000 college students uh, who had gotten COVID-19, and not one of them ended up being hospitalized. Eric, wrap it up for us. Your quick take. I'll be the cynical one here. I think it was probably a deft political move on the governor's part, but a bit of a cynical one. I think he understood probably where Chassa was going to come down on this. He decided to let Chassa take the heat and him put himself on the, the, the pro football side of the issue. Lastly, I think Patty and others are right. There is a distinction between urban areas, big urban schools and rural schools, and we ought to recognize that distinction. Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Ms. Cajon, please start us off. And while we're talking about football, the decision to allow a much larger group into Mile High Stadium, however you feel about it, it does seem to contradict what's happened at Bandmere, what's happened with Levitt Pavilion. The venue owners who wanted to be able to have concerts would do the 175-member cohorts. They haven't been allowed to do that, but we will have the Broncos. David. 
if, like me, you've decided in the past several years that uh, spending three hours and 15 minutes on a Sunday to watch 15 minutes of football action uh, is not a good investment of time. Um, and now these days, your 15 minutes of action will be nearly meet, matched uh, by the amount of time devoted to, to preaching and singing uh, in the uh, wokest church of St. Uh, Colin Kaepernick. If you want something else, and you, maybe you've tried soccer and NASCAR and they, they don't do it for you, check out rugby and Australian r- rules football. You get a lot of continuous action and without all the woke religion. Eric, we go to you next. Uh, all of those in this country who continue to politicize the virus, politicize the pandemic, make mass into some kind of hill they want to stand on, even die on, the super spreader event in Sturgis. We had our own small, small version of that in Cripple Creek. Uh, and those who just want to continue to promote this notion that public health measures are should be voluntary and should be resisted. Joey. Oh, my disgrace of the week should have his jersey retired and hung from the rafters. It's Joey Bunch. I am on an American television show, and not only am I not wearing shoes, I'm not wearing socks either. Bucket list checked <laughs> now see i wish you didn't uh, uh, uh i could go with the no uh, the no shoes but the no socks that is a, a strict cio rule joey we're gonna have to talk about that uh, time to say something nice about somebody patty just glad joey stopped at the ankles um it tomorrow is colorado restaurant day in colorado go out and patronize all those businesses other small businesses that are trying to make it you don't have to eat there if you may are uncomfortable get to go david Joey, we're looking forward to the show where you announced you're going commando. Uh, President Trump uh, just announced that uh, Bahrain and Israel are signing a peace treaty, following up on the peace treaty uh, that he led the, helped negotiate between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. And uh, just a few weeks ago, his State Department team led to a, a peace agreement, uh, not a full treaty, but an agreement uh, between Serbia and Kosovo. Uh, whatever you think about him personally, and I don't think highly, uh, he has done a fantastic job uh, for peace in the Balkans and in the Middle East, far superior to what his uh, predecessors have accomplished, going back at least as far as uh, up Jimmy Carter is the only guy who can really match him. Um, so he, he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize this week, and, and he deserves it. Uh, Trump, uh, Obama got it on speculation about what he would do. Uh, Trump has genuinely performed for world peace. Eric, we go to you. Well, I could comment on that, but uh, for Joey, uh, it's not only the shoes and the socks, my friend. Uh, I'm not sure about that shirt and that particular jacket, but that's a separate, separate issue. Real quickly here, Ryan Call, former chair of the Colorado Republican Party, added his name to a rather long list of national party, former national and state party officials on the Republican side who are supporting Joe Biden over the Republican candidate, Donald Trump. Joey, wrap it up for us. Well, it's been a year since my friend, all of our good friend, John Inslin, passed away. And as we were getting ready for the show today, and I put this wonderful jacket on, I found the receipt from the last time I saw him. John and I had dinner at Tom's Diner the Saturday night before he was found dead on Monday. And I remembered we're both big Quentin Tarantino fans, and John had a milkshake that was a $5 milkshake, and we both laughed and laughed about a $5 milkshake like the one in Pulp Fiction. And for each of us, I hope we all get to live on in the warm memories of our friends because that's where John Ensign lives in mine. 
Uh, here, here. Well said, Joey. Uh, I also want to remind you that the election season continues on Colorado Decides. Next week, we'll take a look at proposal to require voter approval for certain state fees, as well as an initiative to repeal the Gallagher Amendment. It is a great, great time to uh, be a fiscal fan in Colorado. If you're, that's what you're looking for next week, Friday at 7 and 7.30, right here on PBS 12. And lastly tonight, uh, we'd be remiss if we did not take the time to recognize that 19 years ago, the world changed. And we certainly join everyone around the world remembering all of those who lost their lives and for all whose lives changed forever. That is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. For everybody here at PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night. Thank you.